0: Hello, space lovers, lawyers, and listeners. Welcome back to Pod Ad Astra, advancing the analysis, development, and adoption of human rights across outer space for the benefit of humanity. My name is AJ Link, and I am a research director at Just Ad Astra, a nonprofit pioneer project looking to bring human rights to the stars. For our 12th episode, we are delighted to welcome one of my favorite space lawyers, Topeka Jayakoti. Deepika has been previously involved with the Just Ad Astra project as the Research Director of Environmental Law. Deepika has an LLM in Air and Space Law from Leiden University and an LLM in International Law and Indian Constitutional Law from the University of Madras. Deepika was the recipient of the 2022 International Institute of Space Law Young Achiever Award, which is so cool, that's amazing. Uh, She is also the author of The Innovation Matrix and is a senior commercial contracts manager at Airbus Defense and Space Netherlands. She also does a ton of other amazing things, and you should definitely check her out on your socials, on LinkedIn, whatever. Um, Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about Topeka's work uh, later on. So, Deepika, welcome to Pod at Astra. Thank you so much for making the time to chat with me today. You're one of the most interesting and exciting voices in the space law community, and I'm just so excited that we finally have the opportunity to have you on the show, so welcome.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Aj. I'm uh, kicked to be a part of uh, this, this podcast, and I'm really looking forward to our exchange.
0: So we can get right into it. Uh, Deepika, you have such an incredible background. Uh, You have a lot of degrees. Uh, I'm I'm trying to catch up to you. I want to have as many as you. Uh, And you've already accomplished so much professionally. Can you tell us more about your educational and career paths and how you got to where you are today?
1: Thank you. Um, That's very kind. None of this was planned. I um, originally wanted to make movies. And then I decided to become a lawyer because uh, nobody else in my family was a lawyer. Um, there was nothing to do about space. I didn't grow up thinking I want to be an astronaut and, and things like that. Um, midway through my, uh, let's say early career, I wanted to take a break. And uh, that's when I came to Leiden, uh, to the Institute of Air and Space Law to do my second master's here. And after that, I uh, got a position in Leiden to work with the industry to learn a bit more about how the industry works um, from a contracts and legal perspective. And I just took the chance because that was not something that I could do back home in India at that point. On, uh, at that point in time, and as for the many degrees, I think um the truth behind that is uh, like many other 20 year olds i was trying to find my way to see which things i like and uh you know where this could lead me so i don't think it's necessary somebody needs that many degrees but well here i am
0: <laughs> i think that's so fascinating and i totally agree uh when i was deciding what to get my llm with, I was thinking about human rights law, but international law and comparative law, but I was like, I love space law. And so I can definitely understand kind of figuring out how you want to go about that. But you talked a little bit about the contract work uh, that you do. And I think space contracts is so fascinating. And that's um, a really nice way for folks to get into the space industry because you don't necessarily have to be an expert in space law to understand contracts. So can you talk more about your day job uh, and and maybe talk a little bit more about some of the other cool projects you get to work on, like cheer?
1: Fantastic. Um, As for my day job, so I work as a commercial contracts uh, officer, and what I do is, uh, in a day-to-day basis, I work with interdisciplinary teams um, to to respond to different kinds of proposals, to enter into contract negotiations, and then once you sign them, execute these contracts. Um, What's interesting about the portfolio that I uh, had uh, in the Netherlands, is that I could I could focus also on uh, product marketing and intellectual property strategies next to doing this contracts work and even within contracts um, something that's really cool and I'd like to think that we are the only people in the space industry uh, doing that um, in Airbus Netherlands we work a lot with uh, legal design thinking which is a form of making Uh, contracts also accessible and transparent within the industry. So we'll talk about that uh, uh, a bit later if if we have the time, Uh, but that's my my day job. And as far as cheer goes, uh, that's something that I started with my friends in 2011. So it's a human rights-based NGO that's working on a couple of projects Um, and we do a lot of uh, awareness-raising campaigns. Um, So some of our projects include working with uh, trans people uh, who are an extremely marginalized uh, community in India to support them with continuing uh, education or vocational training and so on so that they can uh, step out of the uh, different barriers that uh, society throws at them. That's one. Another project, we work with rural children Um, uh, to help them learn about uh, uh, things in a fun way. So, activity-based learning, um, which uh, is personally one of my favorite projects. And uh, currently, we are working on our slum uh, re-urbanization project uh, in my hometown, Chennai. And um, one of my uh, other favorites is working with uh, puppets, to raise awareness on topical and uh, sensitive issues like uh, child abuse and uh, and so on. So it's, it's what I do outside of space.
0: I think all that work is so incredible and something that I really like about, I guess, our little corner of the space industry because it's so vast and there's so many different perspectives and opinions is that At least within kind of our circle, a lot of people are doing stuff outside of space that they really care about or really passionate about, you know, human rights, social justice work. But they also bring that perspective into the space industry, which oftentimes doesn't get that. And so I just love what you're doing. I love how you're contributing warmth and love um, outside of your your day job. And I I try to do the same, not as well as you, but I'll get there. But talking about...
1: I'm a huge (laughs) fan of your work, AJ, so... (laughs)
0: Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I really appreciate that. But talking about, you know, space and space law and what you do, what are some of your favorite projects that you get to work on, uh, especially when it comes to to space law and the space community?
1: I think in my uh, day job, I've had very few interactions with space law in, in terms of treaty law as as such. Um, so most of the projects that I uh, work on outside, they uh, they deal with space law in its uh, in- interactions with the other fields of law. So it could be intellectual property, it could be uh, uh, cyber laws, um, uh, or it could even just be, uh, a, let's say, the broader public international law and human rights specifically. One of the reasons I um, I was I was so amazed that uh, John uh, John Lim came up with this project was, well, everybody talks about it, they think it's important, but nobody has taken the initiative to do something where a platform, build a platform where you talk about space and human rights. So um, it's projects like these, it's topics like these that interest me the most about uh, space law.
0: Yeah, I think for me, I'm just thinking back to the other day where I had to give a very brief presentation overview of space law. And I was telling because these folks weren't familiar with I was telling them like, yeah, it's, it's two tiered, it's structured where there's international law, but the majority of day to day space law work. Is actually at the national level and it's not necessarily international space law, it's more regulatory law, it's and doing business and contracts and imports and exports. And they seem just really fascinated that you can do space law and be a space lawyer, but not actually have to do any of the you know the treaty type space law or anything like that. And so it's I always try to to tell people like it's really easy to get into space law if you just want to do regular law or not regular law, but other areas of law in space. And I think it's really important to tell people that uh, and to make space more accessible. So like something that I always try to do with my work is is make space a little bit more tangible for people. Like examples like that. saying so, Like you can do contract work in space. Like if you can want to work on satellites, you can do that with contracts, right? Uh, but a lot of people that I meet don't love space like i do um and, and they don't feel that same connection to it so can you talk more about your work trying to humanize space for folks and making it more transparent and accessible
1: i think in in general and and uh, you already mentioned that uh, aj while you were talking about it i think it starts with building connections to uh, everyday things so if i'm talking about uh, space law to to kids for instance then I'd uh, give them classic examples like, do you know where uh, Velcro comes from or water filters come from? And the the different uh, jobs that you could actually do in the space industry. Um, uh, for example, I think there was there was once uh, when Deepana Gandhi, one of uh, the uh, UNU's uh, mentors, she was doing a program for children in uh, Mumbai. And it was amazing the sort of questions that these kids came up with. The minute you make space a bit more approachable for them, like what does what does space mean in your everyday life? So that's the uh, general aspect of it. And I think if you if you move a step deeper, um, also at national and regional levels, for instance, I I find that in India the the space community is 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 quite a closed community right? So people who don't already know about space, there's there's a bit of distance always. And that's when you always have questions like, why should you invest in space? Why should you do this? Why is this more important than solving problems here? And I think the problem is um, we don't talk enough about what space brings to each and every person or how it could uh, strengthen a nation or a region. There's a lot of work in the Asia-Pacific region um, where space data is used to, uh, space data or even weather monitoring is used to um, uh, look into uh, weather patterns, disaster management and things like that. And when you talk about things in a local context, then people think, "Ah, okay, this this is something that also touches my life. I think that's, that's quite important uh, to humanize space. And in terms of things like uh, contracts, um, the entire space industry is built around several contracts, a main contract and thousands and thousands of subcontracts. So although these are written by lawyers for lawyers, They are actually meant to be for the people who are working at different levels. We need to be speaking the same language. Um, And you often get 100 page documents slapped across each other where you don't really understand what's in this contract. Um, uh, How are we going to work in, a let's say, a business relationship together? And uh, part of the work that uh, that we did at uh, Airbus Netherlands and we continue to do is, again, talking about legal design thinking. And um, this is about simplifying things, making things more inclusive within even a company, let's say. so. So lawyers need to understand what the engineers are talking about. Engineers need to understand what the lawyers are talking about. Um, this helps build a better understanding that leads to transparency, trust, and then building better business relationships. So it could be, imagine imagine something like export control. The minute you say this phrase, you think, okay, oh, that's, that's such a complicated topic. But there's a way to make it simple. There's a way to make it accessible. And once we do that, then we can focus on, let's say, bigger things on how we can be compliant uh, towards that.
0: Yeah. As soon as you said import export, I like, that's not my area of expertise. Uh, I always tell people if you want to make money doing space law, do import export, but I can't tell you anything about it. I don't know about it. And as you were talking, I was thinking about one of the reasons, uh, I went to law school was to better prepare myself uh, with tools to do other work. I never wanted to be a, a practicing lawyer uh, or practice law in the U.S., um, but I wanted those tools. And something that I, I'm really grateful for is now that I have the knowledge and can in, read and interpret law, statutes, contracts, it's a lot easier for me to do communication and to make it more accessible, right? Uh, whether that's changing the language or not using so many Latin phrases. I know here in the US, our laws love to use Latin phrases and it's like, just just translate them into their 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 English equi- equivalent so folks can understand them. Uh, and, and part of that is accessibility, right? And I do accessibility work in space, um, but I think when people think about accessibility, it can be so many different things. Uh, like, so for me, sometimes accessibility is like physical accessibility, like making space more accessible for disabled folks to participate, whether that is in zero G or eventually in space or uh, more accessible to participate in terms of jobs where they want to be engineer scientists, what have you. Right. Uh, but accessibility. Uh, can also mean uh, people joining the space community um, without having those barriers, right? And I think that goes to something you were talking about with the contracts and the understanding, but also making things more tangible for folks. Uh, When I talk to people, it's almost this divide of, Space is only space exploration. Where it's like, no, we actually get a lot of benefits here on Earth from space. You talked about, you know, satellite data and, and remote sensing data for weather and climate change. That's really important. Or GPS locations, like the, Those are really beneficial things. Even things that are really small, like Velcro, right? Um, uh, there are all these different things. Um, and the tangibility aspect, bringing space to folks, is part of the accessibility. Right, it's making it more accessible because it's more tangible. Um. But also another part of that is making it more transparent uh, and simplifying the information, which is kind of what we've been talking about. So what do you think is the hardest part about making the space industry and space information more accessible and understandable for folks and also uh, putting it in places where they can get it, where it's easy to go and find? Um, Can you maybe talk about that? I know that was a long rambling question, but could you maybe talk about that?
1: I, I think we can talk hours about this. so so uh, let me try to keep my uh, answers uh, simple. I think space is one of these uh, one of the few industries where we use grand words like you know, uh, benefit for the world, humanity and and things like that. Having said that, um, you notice that it's it's not really an accessible industry in in several ways. It could be something as small as um, how accessible is going to, let's say, an international conference for people uh, who are coming in from the global uh, south uh, or people coming in from uh, countries uh, like India, where you need to go through horrible visa processes to get into a country and things like that. Um, And on the other side, uh, as an industry, although we do these amazing things it's so cool and all of that we are still traditional in so many ways of working so going back to you know talking about uh, how do we make uh, information accessible and things like that it's expensive uh, space e- education about anything in space it's it's quite expensive um, one of uh, one of the coolest projects uh, that I worked on was from IISL's um, Knowledge Constellation project, which, which where we thought, okay, one of the first things that we need to do is make sure space law is accessible first. So we build a platform where expert opinions and things can be available uh, free of charge online. Um, I love that uh, we have uh, podcasts and and different platforms where people can access some of this information. But this wasn't there, I would say, pre COVID. It wasn't that accessible already. So, so these are these are things that need to change. And another more important part, uh, also tying it into human rights and and so on. Um, there's a lack of diversity and. And diversity, again, as a broad term in in the space sector, whether you talk about gender, generation, geographies, or even disabilities for that matter, um, it's not something that's commonly... Uh, spoken about, or we speak a lot about it and uh, not do enough about it. And when you're talking about, um, you know, we we earlier spoke about how do we make space tangible for people, I think understanding and accessibility also comes from, uh, comes from being able to relate to something. And contextually, space is built around the narratives of certain loud voices, um, and space is not just technical, right? it's it's also cultural. it's 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 social um and we don't hear about what does space mean for these for these other communities, of these other people, what are their aspirations? How do we, how do we truly make this something for humanity um and and maybe it's it's too abstract, but it's it, these are things that we need to think about and, you know, not just talk about, Oh well, this is a great uh, rocket launch. It's, of course, it's great. Technically, it's it's amazing, but we also need to think about the human element of of space. So,
0: I think you that brought answers up your question. <laughs> yeah, you brought up so many good points. I think about humanizing spaces is so important. I. I've experienced a lot of times when I'm doing events or, um, the conferences that I go to because they're less accessible now, um, during the, the, the pandemic and the pandemic is still happening. Um, and, and, you know, but people are acting like it's not. And so there are less virtual conferences, but when, when they were virtual as someone who doesn't get a lot of institutional funding, um, like i was able to present my ideas to these spaces that oftentimes i can't go to and you know i had a lot of opportunities that now i don't have because it's not accessible whether it's travel whether it's accommodations um whether it it's financing and so i think that's a really important point about having those different perspectives and i also think it's a really good point where you talk about um, making space accessible for those who are already in the industry, right? So that's not just conferences, but you know that's that's the projects we're working on and their relevance to us. Uh, and I guess the last thing that I thought was was really powerful um, was you talking about how it's not just engineering, it's not just science. I, there are so many times where I'm in these spaces. And I am the only arts or humanities or, you know, whatever isn't STEM uh, person um, at these space conferences, because they're always talking about how do we have better space engineers, how do we do better space science, how do we do uh, better space technology and it's like there, there's a whole cultural aspect there's the whole, you know. How are we affecting people's cultures? How are we providing, you know, talking about human rights, protecting the right to culture, protecting the right to access space from earth, right? Uh, Natural uh, astronomy, you know, without high power telescopes, just being able to view the night sky, you think about the dark and quiet skies movement, but you also think about the religious and, and cultural implications of doing more space travel and exploration. And what does mining on the moon mean to people who have values where the moon is sacred, right? These these are like <laughs> these are really big questions. I don't have all the answers, but a lot of times to your point, there's this very narrow view of space and it's only the people who care about doing those things, not the people like like us and, and our community who care about the, the bigger questions and how it's it's not just can we do it, but should we do it and how are we doing it? Why are we doing it? What are the long-term consequences? And I think that's so important. And all of that goes back to making space more accessible and more transparent, right? And elevating those those I guess dissenting voices from the main space narrative, um, and I think I think that's really important. And you also talked about you know diversity. I think, and I'm sure you've experienced this a lot of times. There are very specific people in the space industry who go, well, it the only thing that matters is diversity of thought. When I think that's important, but diversity of identity and experience creates a diversity of thought. They're not separate things. I don't know if you've ever experienced exactly. that.
1: No, it's it's uh, it's it's completely true. I I think um, last year when I was at uh, this big conference, this big space conference, um, I felt triggered by a lot of things uh, that I saw because I I thought for one. The way way we focus on um, everything that is not STEM uh, seems to be unfair to begin with. And um, it's great that we have questions, but there's not even enough of a forum or a platform to raise these questions. And it's okay if we don't have answers right now, but we need to think about these questions long enough um, so that at some point, Point, we would get to the answers, right? And if nobody is going to turn up at these uh, events, um, if you're not, if you're going to think, okay, these subjects are of lesser importance than the STEM topics, then we are never going to um, achieve these lofty goals again. uh, When we talk about space for humanity, we are never going to achieve. That if we don't deal with these things, um, and and I, I I fully agree with you. I've I've been uh, in similar spaces where I've thought I I already feel excluded by uh, you know such such discussions, um, and it makes you wonder sometimes if. If we truly believe in in everything that we uh, uh, say about space, that this is so important, that this is this is going to change the way we we live uh, and and so on. So yeah,
0: yeah, and I I think just again, you talk about making it more tangible and accessible, having artists and communicators and people who thrive. Um, and that sphere is important to how the space industry does its messaging. It has a lot of bad messaging, unfortunately. And, and I think part of that is because they exclude those people. And I also think um, talking about, you know, human rights and the longer implications, I've, I've gotten pushback from space lawyers, space lawyers who have been doing space law a lot longer than me saying it's it's too early to talk about human rights in space. I was like, we already have to talk about it, right? There there are privacy rights in terms of remote sensing and which satellites and which satellite companies and which data companies can hold your data for how long, like that's a human rights implication and it's happening in space, right? It's human rights in space. Isn't necessarily 3000 years from now and, you know, space travel and migration, but you know, that could happen, but it's like things that are happening right now. You talked a little bit about cyber warfare, um, you know, or cybersecurity, I guess, same, uh, uh, Two sides of the same coin but like those have human rights implications and it's not that human rights is separate from space or that human rights is only part of space travel or space migration or space exploration but they're there are real human rights implications here on earth right now and i think the idea that it's too soon to talk about that is just really scary to me i don't know <laughs> like we should we should definitely be at least having the, like you said just having the conversations um So, yeah, I love talking about space and space law. Uh, That's why we do this podcast, and I try to be the one on it most of the time. Uh, So it's been cool getting to see more and more people start to care about what happens in space. I know that folks have always cared, mostly pushing back against spending money to go to space and saying it's a waste of money. Um, And we kind of talked about that. Uh, But I still don't think enough people. Uh, know about space care about space love space uh, obviously I'm biased and I think everyone should but totally understand that they don't but I still meet actual lawyers who don't know about space law and that space law is a, a practice area and a whole body of law and that is super frustrating for me um, so what would you do or change about space outreach space law outreach space communication all that stuff to make it more effective and bring more people in
1: I, I think um even now we tend to focus on an audience that's already interested in space right that's uh, that's the majority of the uh, audience of most uh, space space communications um i would say again it, at at the risk of uh, sounding repetitive in order to have effective communication about space or space law, it needs to be exclusive. It needs to be uh, simple. And and more importantly, it needs to be creative and interesting. Uh, Who's one of the co-founders of the Asia Pacific and uh, uh, Oceania Space Association. And she said, She runs she runs a podcast called Space Smurfs and she said, well, my ambition is to make space less boring and I want to be a talk show host uh, for everything space. And I thought it was it's pretty cool um, because a lot of content out there, it's it's again highly technical information. And you need to reach out to people with local context, with simpler content, um, and maybe even target the next generation where the attention span is what, 90 seconds to to 10 minutes, depending on the format that you choose. So we need to get better at that. And um, talking about lawyers who don't have knowledge about space law, um, I think there should be a lot of cross-pollination of knowledge. Right. So my gripe with the situation is that a lot of space lawyers don't talk enough about public international law, for instance, it's 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 something that we completely forget and then say, oh, let's let's focus on this problem. While that problem probably already has solutions in 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 other uh, legal systems. So. So there needs to be an exchange that um, happens across different disciplines or, uh, you know, also to, to get more people interested in it. One of my favorite examples is um, this uh, show on Apple TV called uh, For All Mankind had its own podcast where where they would take you through, okay, What's happening here, for example, okay, how did they build this suit? What what does this mean over here? And I think it's interesting for people because you can immediately capture the attention of people who'd otherwise not learn about these things. So I I would say we need to get more creative. We definitely need to be more inclusive and simple.
0: Yeah, uh, for all mankind is one of my favorite shows on TV. Uh, I had I did a Twitter poll uh, last week, a couple weeks ago. I don't even know time is time is a flat circle. But uh, I said, do you like for all mankind better, or do you like uh, the Expanse better? And those are probably my two favorite space shows at the moment. I still love Star Trek and like all the different types of Star Treks that they have now. But I think right now for all mankind and, and the expanse are my two favorite, but I totally agree. Uh, there should be, there should be more interaction. We shouldn't be so siloed. I think that, that again goes to accessibility, making it tangible. Um, and it's just, it's so interesting to me that if you do space law, you probably have to know lots of other areas of law outside of space law, whereas other areas of law don't have to know or care about space law uh, for the most part. Um, so yeah, I wanna go back to something that you talked about earlier when you talked about barriers to diversity um, in the industry. And you talked about you know the barriers for, for gender parity and gender equity within um, the space law community. Like some of the most amazing people I know in space are women um, and uh, non-binary folks. Um, and it's incredible. But there aren't enough, right? Uh, I I still feel like there aren't enough. And Celestial Citizen, which is uh, an amazing space company that people should check out, look up, um, find them. Just had a documentary come out called Take Up Space, and I thought it was really powerful. Um, there's a couple of women and non-binary folks. Um, they're anonymous. um, But unfortunately, I knew some of their voices. I don't know if you had that experience watching it. But I was like, I actually know these voices. And it's really it's really painful um, to hear their stories. But the stories were so powerful. And so I was just wondering what your thoughts were, you know, in terms of making space more tangible, and accessible for gender minorities and women and, and transit and gender non-conforming folks and kind of what we can do as an industry to give them access to the space community um, and do a better job of protecting those folks?
1: I think we need to take a more active role. Um, I feel like it's not enough that we just talk about it. We we still see panel discussions where there's a lack of diversity in the people that they uh, get to speak. We sometimes hear the same perspectives over and over again without giving space to, to, let's say, gender minorities or or any other kind of minority for that matter. And it's important that we are conscious about it and take an active role to change that. It's not enough that we just talk about it. Um, The thing about the uh, documentary is that Every woman, and I can, I, 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 I hope I'm not making such a wide generalization, but every every person, for that matter, um, would be able to relate to that, right? It's 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 the sad truth. Uh, there have been a lot of uh, women, a lot of uh, non-binary uh, people that I know who've said, okay, they've they've encountered this. And um, it's it's kind of sad that we think about going to, to Mars and to all of these uh, uh, amazing planets, but we still cannot solve something as basic as this. Um, personally, for me, I was uh, lucky because I had some amazing managers um, who were women and also allies um, who were able to, uh, I would say shield me from what could have been uh, Bad situations, right? And um, it's it's not necessary that things have to go wrong for you to uh, develop an awareness about it. Um, in a role of uh, influence, or uh, you know, w- w- whatever sphere you are in, there are different ways in which you can help people out. For example, some of my managers they would um, they would challenge my own uh, thoughts and perceptions where they would say, "Why why do you say this?" um and then i thought yeah why do i why do i put myself down sometimes um why why can't i speak up and it was important in my early career because i i had to hear that from somebody else to say okay i can speak up about this or um giving space to someone there, there are there are some amazing people who would allow you to showcase yourself to the world or uh, give you credit for the work that you do going away from people stealing credit from uh, some people, which does happen in the industry sometimes. Um, so I think I think every person can actually do something about it, and I hope we develop awareness for ourselves, but also do our best to support the people around us. And that's the that's the only way that we can overcome this barrier uh, together.
0: I think that was that was so well put and something that I do in my accessibility work when I'm talking to people and you know trying to communicate my views is that accessibility is is again so much broader when we talk about it it's making sure that your rooms feel comfortable for people uh, and that means having a diversity of individuals right that means making sure you're using um, inclusive language that you're you know to talk about some of the stuff in, in, in the film like you're not using misogynistic language in your rooms because that makes your rooms inaccessible for people or it pushes people out you know more I, I don't know if it's better or worse I'm sure it's just you know just equally terrible but you know stopping people from getting in is bad but forcing them out once they're already there is is really just terrible and you I think, as an industry, we definitely need to do a better job. One, bringing people in, but also keeping them there and letting them thrive in the community and provide their their different perspectives. So, thank you so much. Uh, and I think another
1: <laughs> you you reminded me of something uh, else, uh, AJ. I think one thing that we should really stop doing is creating more work for these minorities to overcome the barriers it's it's not the job of a woman or a trans person or a person with a disability to go take another step in order to prove that that they are they belong there right so so it's it's really important that we don't burden them with more things just for them to 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 get an equal opportunity or or to find their own space in this industry
0: Uh, I completely agree. And, you know, hopefully one day we'll get there as an industry. It's, uh, it's so fast moving in some ways. And then it's so like you said, so very um, old in others and just very stuck in its ways. Um, So yeah, Uh, my last three questions are normally the same uh, for everyone. Uh, but they're not going to be today because uh, the first question I ask people about is what they would change about space communication. But we've already talked about that. So I have a new question for you. You're the first person that I've asked this in our our kind of lightning round. What would you change about actual space law if you could?
1: Um, If there's just one thing, I would definitely put more definitions in definitions for words like what what does peaceful mean and to have one universally accepted definition of what that means
0: i completely agree something that i'm really adamant about is that private spaceflight participants aren't astronauts under international law but there's no definition of an astronaut you kind of have to interpret it as you know a, as a state-sponsored you know, spaceflight participant and so yeah i completely agree i think about you know the moon agreements not really in force but what does um, the province of all humanity actually mean What does ex- equitable distribution and resource sharing actually mean um and, and to your point about peaceful uses that's like so far gone because force is peaceful uh in some yeah, magic way <laughs> yeah uh so i i completely agree with that and I think space law is really unique, and that it's intentionally they they're intentionally not definitions because they didn't know what was going to happen and they didn't want to be too restrictive. But at this point, it's like we should we should probably have a few more definitions. Um, so yeah, I completely agree. That's a great answer. Uh, I glad I I'm glad I asked you that question. Um, the next one: Would you say you're a moon or a Mars person, and why?
1: I'm definitely an earth person.
0: No, you have to pick the moon or Mars though. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to go. It's just, which one do you like more? You don't have to go.
1: Um, I think in, in my culture, maybe this is a great platform to talk about it in, in my culture with certain uh, religions for us, both moon and Mars are uh, sacred, right? And they are represented by uh, different gods um, so if I were very religious, I would find it very hard to, um, to pick a celestial body out of that. But maybe Mars, it's, it's, it seems more interesting and colorful than the moon.
0: I, I have, I have no, <laughs> no other reason. <laughs> uh, I, I'm, i I'm a Mars person too. And I think, it, you know, we've talked about it a little bit, but, you know, the celestial bodies are religious deities or entities for a lot of folks, and I think a lot of the main voices and decision makers in the space industry, and I, I hear this a lot, and it makes me really mad, they're Like, oh, they're just rocks, or they're dead planets, and it's like, no, <laughs> uh, they they mean a lot more to a lot more people, but even if they were, we should have reverence and respect for the 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 beauty of the universe right uh, a mountain some people may say is a really big rock or whatever but it's it's majestic in its own way and we should still respect that we should respect nature and water and, and these beautiful celestial bodies are so much more than just rocks to be conquered and yeah i think that's a really good point um so thank you for for bringing that up and that that applies for all different types of cultures and religions right it's not just one perspective everyone has their a different relationship with them exactly cool so last question what's something you normally don't get to talk about that you wish more people would ask you
1: hmm is star wars science fiction or fantasy but no um
0: i would say fantasy
1: <laughs> i agree with you um and i think george lucas does as well so
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: no i i think i think what i really loved about our exchange today um is that we spoke a lot about things that that are close to my heart and um that matter to me so i feel like i've um I've I've checked that box where I've spoken about things, um, things that I haven't spoken about uh, before in other forums. So thank you, uh, AJ, for bringing these amazing questions up.
0: Thank you. But what about what about your favorite music right now, or your favorite book, or the last movie you've seen? I don't know. What's something that you never ever get to talk about? You have the freedom to talk about whatever you want. It doesn't have to be space related. I
1: want. Um, Since we spoke so much about uh, humanity and where we are headed and things like that, um, a book series that I'm uh, reading currently uh, and I'm slowly moving my way through the pages is The Three-Body Problem. Um, It's amazing. If anybody, uh, if you haven't read the book, you have to. Um, It talks about... um, yeah, well, I think you have to read it. It's it's amazing. It's a piece of work from uh, uh China. Uh, there's an incredible translation that also gives uh, perspectives into into um into how things work there, uh, how things worked during the revolution, and um, it has some cool dramatic things coming in uh, in the form of uh, aliens and um, how we respond as civilizations and so on. So it's fascinating. I really wish people would read it. And I think while you read it, you will think about all the topics that we spoke about just now. So there you go.
0: (laughs) I will put that on my list. I have so many books and papers and notes to, to read through, uh, to do my, my research is so slow right now, but I will put that on my list, the three body problem. Um, so thank you so much for chatting with me today, Topeka. It's been so fun, a pleasure. Uh, I am obviously a huge fan of everything that you do and I'm always rooting for you. So just, I really appreciate you coming on uh, with us today.
1: Thank you so much, AJ. I loved, I loved, uh, I loved uh, doing this. <laughs> Thanks for that.
0: Thank you. The pleasure was all mine. For our curious listeners out there eager to learn more about human rights issues in outer space, you can reach out to us via the project's Twitter handle at justadastra. That's at J-U-S-A-D-A-S-T-R-A. I got through that perfectly. Uh it never happens. Or check out our website at justadastra.org www.justadastra.org www.j-u-s-a-d-a-s-t-r-a.org uh, Be on the lookout for future episodes of Pod at Astra and thank y'all so much for coming today.